جشن عظیمیست با یسرائیم سرود ها بهر خداوند جشن عظیمیست با یسرائیم سرود ها بهر خداوند همدش کنیم سرود ها به سراییم همدش کنیم سرود ها به سراییم هاللویا 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 زیرا خداوند جهان را اینقدر محبت نمود که پسر یگانه خود را داد تا هر که بر او ایمان آورد حلاک نگردد بلکه حیات جاودانی یابد آمین آمین تانکیو سو دیس واس جون 3:16 ان پرژن لنگویج یس واو And I will I will say it in English, John 3.16. For God so loved the world yes. that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, I mean, do you want to hear it in Hungarian too? No, uh, I want to hear the Serbian now. Okay. This is the old version. Jer Bogu tako omile svet, da je i sina svog jednorodnog dao, da nijedan koji ga veruje ne pogine, nego da ima život u tečnu. And give us also the Hungarian version. And also we will have Kurdish version. So now Hungarian. Mert úgy szerette Istene világot, hogy az ő egyszülött fiát adta, hogy valaki hiszen ő benne, el ne vesszen, hanem örök élete legyen. Beautiful. And now John 3:16 in Kurdish. خداوند عالم جهانی آنده محبت کرد تا کری یگان کری خویدا باید که ایمانی پیبینن آوانه ایمانی پیهنا حلاق نبند و حیاتی جاودانی حیاتی ابدیانه آمین. Amen. Beautiful. And also John 3:16 in Czech version. Neboť Bůh je tak miloval svět, že dal svého jednorozeného syna, aby každý, kdo v něho věří, nezahynul, ale měl život věřit. Wow. We, had, we had so many languages now. The, it's called the golden verse uh, in the Bible, John 3.16. It's, it's showing us uh, the heart of God, the love of God, the extent of the love of God, uh, the work of God, and the redemption of God. You know, it's all packed in this verse. We can, we can call it like, like a little Bible, this verse, which is beautiful. Uh, thank you, everybody, for this great introduction. Thank you. Like, we haven't started yet, and we already had this national languages speaking 316 it's beautiful and uh before we open the let's let's pray for the beginning so dear god thank you that you can be in this place and this meeting is not just natural just 
fun club, but you are meeting in your name. You are meeting uh, because you gathered us together. We are brothers and sisters from different parts of the world, but we have the same story. We have the same father. And we just ask you that you would bless this time now as we, as we open the scriptures, that you would lead us and speak to us, that we would see you and your character more and more because we are we are your disciples we are the learning ones matayotas in greek the learning ones we are still learning and we will ever be learning we want to know you more in jesus name we pray amen so if you would turn with me now into into the book of hebrews of Hebrews chapter 13 and chapter 13 we will start chapter 13 we will, we will start in verse 8 Hebrews Hebrews 13 Hebrews Jebraima 13 verse verse 8 verse 8 Are you ready And it says here Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever this is an amazing start because in this verse we can see that God doesn't change. His character and His word doesn't change. And we can truly trust it and rely on it. You know, God is not the one who would say something and tomorrow it would be different. You know, it's the same. You know, it's like it's the eternal word which is not changing but the world is changing us you know the world has the power to change us you remember this song pastor pastor uh shibeli loves eternal world ever true changing me and changing you so this is it we have something so precious you know it's so old and yet so fresh and just because of this verse and many other verses, we can truly trust it. You know, there is no change. Sometimes in the world, government comes and gives promises. Uh, in relationships, in worldly relationships, people make promises. But then, what was said doesn't count anymore. It changes. But when the Jesus Christ is foundation, the foundation is sure and we stand secure. And it says then, verse 9, Be not carried with diverse and strange doctrines, for it's a good thing that the heart is established with grace, not with meats which profiteth not to them, which have been occupied therein. 
says, God is not changing, foundation has been laid, and it says here, do not be carried with different and strange doctrines. You know, sometimes people come with these ideas, which are not like based on the, on the scripture. And here is one example. It's a good if the heart is established in grace. That's why we are we are called the greater grace. You know, James 4, 6 says, God gives greater grace to the humble. You know, humble is the one who receives. You know, I want to give you something. If you receive it, you are humble. God gives greater grace to the one who receives. And grace is this unmerited favor of God. And and Paul, we believe, is the writer of the book of Hebrews. He's teaching here that we are established in grace. And let not be carried with strange doctrines, with meat or festivals or different things. Have you, ever, have you ever met these people who say, it's Friday today, we are eating fish only? You know, a lot of in, in Catholic circles, you know, it's Friday, they eat fish, nothing else. You know, you cannot eat pork. Or in Islam, you know, it's forbidden to eat pork. You know, if you go to, if you go to India and you meet these like Hinduism and, and these other religion, Eastern religions, they don't eat uh, a beef, cow meat, beef. It's forbidden for them because the cow is a holy animal for them. You know? And he's explaining here, it's not, it's not about this meat. It, it doesn't profit at all. You know, there's, there's no meaning in this. He says, let's be established in grace. In verse 10, he says, we have altar from which they have no right to eat, which are serving at the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts, he speaks about Old Testament sacrifices, the Jewish Old Testament system, whose blood is to be brought into sanctuary by, sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. These Old Testament sacrifices, animal sacrifices, they were, they were picture of Jesus Christ. You know, like the animal has been slain, the blood was poured out, it was brought in on the altar, and it's a picture of the Lamb of God, Korban Kozu, who was slain, and whose blood was offered. <coughs> and he's saying here, verse 12, therefore Jesus, now he's speaking about the real sacrifice, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Jesus Christ was crucified for our sins, and he is the fulfillment of these uh, pictures 
of the sacrifices of the animals. And then he says here, verse 13, Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. Verse 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 13. Let us go out without the camp, bearing his reproach. And this is something what I want to speak a little bit today about our faith, about our true genuine faith, and about this true worship and the reproach which can which can be the result of the true worship. We've heard this great testimony how 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 these uh, precious believers I'm not saying any names uh, are persecuted for their faith. They they became believers in the true worship system in Jesus Christ. They they came so called out of the camp and they said, Well I'm not going to be with this crowd anymore. I'm different, I'm Christian. I believe in Jesus. And then there is this misunderstanding, reproach or even persecution. But in a certain way this doesn't relate only to Muslim countries, but we can see this into certain measure in my country, in Czech, we can see this in Serbia, because in many countries you have established certain religious system. And if you aren't part of the system, you are being reproached. You know, people many times they don't understand you. <laughs> They look at you like differently. They just don't get it. But the, Paul says, we mentioned, we be, uh, I personally believe the book of Hebrews was written by Paul. We can speak about it later. But he says here, the, the, the writer, let us go forth without the camp. We have this, 1313, we have this freedom to go and and truly worship verse 15 let us offer sacrifice of praise to God continually the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name you know we have gained this freedom we can truly thank him because we know what he has done and what he has done for us and in us and even through us is much greater than any reproach and you know like when we sit and we truly like see what God has done it brings this praise into our lips you know like we just want to say thank you God maybe maybe we've lost entrance to our country maybe we've lost friends and maybe we have lost favor of our family but we can just sit and say hallelujah you know we were singing hallelujah hallelujah because 
This is so great what God has done. In the second Samuel, and we will see the story of David. Second Samuel chapter 11. Second Samuel 11. And we will start with the verse 27. And now look at this. Here, here's David. You know, David is a is a great, amazing picture of believer uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, we are in Second Samuel, Second Samuel 11, Second Samuel chapter 11, and we read the story of David. Just. Just remember this, uh, in 1 Samuel 17, David is killing Goliath, he has this victory, he killed Goliath. And then, uh, it continues, you know, like, he has this things with Saul, he's being hunted by Saul, David is anointed king, uh, he, he gets on the throne, he is ruling, uh, he is, uh, he is uh, winning the battles. The different battles, uh, he defeats like different tribes, like Amalekites, and and he 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 gets the city of Jebusites, which is Jerusalem. He has these like great victories in his life, and then we come to this chapter 11, Second Samuel 11, and here David gets into serious problem. You know, it's, it's easy to speak about David, about his biblical character. But imagine you know somebody in your circles. There is this great pastor. He has great battles. He's winning cities one by one. He defeats Jebusites and gains Jerusalem for the kingdom of God. You know? And then he falls into this terrible sin. Second Samuel chapter 11 is the story of David and Bathsheba. And we know then that sin adds to sin. Uh, David has a sin with Bathsheba. Then he is trying to cover it up. Then he has to, in his thinking, he thinks he has to, and he does, he, he murders Uriah, the wife of Bathsheba. So he goes into deeper and deeper sin. And then, verse 27. And when the morning was past, the weeping, David sent and fetched Bathsheba to his house. And she became his wife and bare him a son. So, uh, Uriah is murdered in the battle. Uh, they weep for him. And now David takes Bathsheba to his palace. And she bears a son. And we can read here. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. You know, like... You think that God like sin in our life 
or is he displeased by the sin? You can see it here, you know. Actually, other translations bring out the meaning that what David has done, it was evil in the eye of the Lord. It was big evil. You know, God saw it as a big evil. And when we look when we look at the, at the Hebrew words in this evil in the eye, actually there are like two Hebrew words. One is yara. It means broken up in a grief. If you break something, you know, if, if you break something and it like opens. And then the other word is ayin, which means eye. So the people are translating this verse, it was like something broken in the eyes of the Lord. Something destroyed when you break glass, you know, or, or you do something. So they translated evil in the eye of the Lord. And certainly it has this meaning. But I was thinking about it a little bit more and, and as we know the heart of God, I see also something else there. You know, this, this broken means about something which has been destroyed. And this I, the word I, and we are using it also in our vocabulary, you can use it for a fountain. I is some opening on the ground and there is fountain, I, you know. And what I really see here, that that when the Lord saw what David did, you know, God was broken and his eye became a fountain. You know, I believe that it says here, actually, that the Lord wept. God was weeping. That he was broken and there was a fountain in his eyes. Because we can see in the John 11, 35, it says, when it speaks about Lazarus, that Jesus wept. You know, Jesus was weeping. Uh, Isaiah is so-called weeping prophet. He weeps a lot uh, when he sees people sin, when he sees destruction of the cities and what's coming. And it shows us beautifully the heart of God. Of course, the Lord was displeased. Of course, it was evil thing. But let us never forget when we, God forbid, but when we do something bad, that the God's attitude is not evil, but the God's attitude is his eye becomes fountain. He weeps. You know? Because what's broken, the relationship is broken. That's why the Lord weeps. Because the relationship is broken. And then uh, it continues in chapter 12. You know, uh, chapter 12. When, when we read this passage, let's never stop in this verse and think, oh, David did evil. And that's it. But to understand the whole picture and to understand the heart of God, we have to continue and read. 
And then it says that Nathan, the prophet, came to David and tells him the story. And David like admits what he has done and he is convicted. And uh, David is con convicted, he, he confesses his sin. And then it says here, verse 15, And Nathan departed when he confronted David with the sin, and the Lord struck the child, and the child was very sick. You know, this was the consequence, and the child was sick. Verse 16, David, therefore, prayed to the God for the child. Verse 16, And David fasted and went in and lay all night, all night upon the earth. Verse 17, And the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth, but he would not Neither did he eat bread with them. This is interesting. The child is sick and David doesn't eat and he's praying. And there are the other people which come to him and they say, hey, just get up and let's have a dinner, you know, let's eat and just forget about it. And But he's praying. And we will see now how personal God is and how sometimes the true, genuine worship can be misunderstood by, by even other believers. Verse 18 And it happened that the child died and the servants are afraid to tell David but he hears the whispers. And in verse 19 he says, okay, is the child dead? And they said, yes, the child is dead. The child died. Verse 20. And David rose from the earth and washed himself and anointed himself, changed his clothes, came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. And then he came to his own house and he asked and they brought him bread and he did eat. Verse 21 Then said his servants unto him, What thing is this that you have done? You were fasting and weeping for the child while it was alive, but when the child is dead, you just stand up and you eat bread? You know, like people, they have these religious concepts. Usually when somebody dies, they weep. You know, they even, they even hire the, the, the weeping people. You know, in, in some, some cultures. You pay them that they would weep for hours and hours. And they weep and weep, you know. But David did something else. You know, problem is that Sometimes people, they make a sin and then they weep 
and weep and weep. And they don't eat, and they just weep, and they stay in the sadness of the sin. We, I've met a person, we, we spoke about him on, a, on a evangelism on the street, and the person started to weep before me, and he said, <laughs> you know, like there was a car which ran over my dog. You know, the car killed the dog. And he was weeping. And I wanted to be sensitive, you know. like So I just started to ask the person. And he said, yeah, it was 20 years ago. I was like, what? And this is the picture, you know. Some people, they do something. And they live in the consequence for a whole life. And they think that this is the true religion. To show how you are sorry. To show how you are sorry. But this is not what the Jesus and the cross is teaching us. David understood this already in the Old Testament. And he was misunderstood. You remember the story how, uh, how David brought the ark back to Jerusalem. It's, uh, it was in 2 Samuel 6. He brought the ark to Jerusalem and he was so happy, so he was dancing and leaping. And in those days they had these, they had these long robes, like kind of skirt. And as he was dancing, he uncovered his nakedness. You know, like maybe his, his tight or maybe some other part was just like seen. And it says there that his wife, Mikael, saw it from the window. She despised him. She said, this is not true worship. Yeah. And then it says that God told her, you will be fruitless. That Mikael, we have no fruit in her life. You know, she didn't understand the real worship. The real worship is this ununderstandable freedom. How can you sit and eat and wash yourself and rejoice when the child died? Are you crazy? You should be weeping. This is the religion. Get on your knees and weep. You are doing it the wrong way, David. When the child was alive, you were weeping. And when it's dead, you are rejoicing. You have it upside down, David. Your religion is sick. We despise you. you know? But David knows the true religion. And he's explaining them. No, verse 22. While the child was yet alive, I fasted and prayed. Because who can tell maybe God will be gracious and he may make the child to be alive. You know, there is a chance to pray and, and ask God. Did you know we have this power to pray and ask God to do things, to check things, to heal people, to touch people? Some people don't believe in this verse anymore. Some people say you cannot pray and move God. But I say, and the Bible says, you can. You can change God's mind. 
Can you change the mind of God? Of course. Of course. What did Abraham did when the judgment was coming on Sodom and Gomorrah? He said, maybe there is 50 people. Will you destroy the city? And God said, no. And what if there is 40? God said, okay, no. We can, we can talk to God. And God is so gracious. So we can change God's mind. David understood the prayer. Because David lived in the power of the cross and not in the religion. Verse 23. But now when the child is dead, why should I fast? Religion says the child died, don't eat, don't drink, put black clothes, lay on the floor, put ashes on you, haul your life. Because the religion wants to make you slave to dead people. Because it's dead religion. Of course we have a sorrow in our heart. But it says here, can I bring him back by doing this? No. But he knows. He says here, I cannot bring him back. 